talking about doing a new thing. God, uh, yes. Ladies just came back from their retreat, and I'll tell you what, I'm always excited when they come back because I know that the kingdom of God has moved that closer to earth, and the power of God in women is unstoppable. Absolutely. I know the Bible has got some male authors and it's got some male doctrine and all that other stuff in there. But if you actually read the scriptures, you'll see that every time God does something new, there's a woman right in the middle of it, right in the front of it. Even the son of God rises from the dead. Peter's not there. John's not there. Nobody's there except for the ladies are there. And the word of his resurrection goes forth throughout all the world and it starts with the mouth of a woman. And God was showing that he was doing a new thing. So ladies, I'm glad you're back. And I, I'm just a little concerned about worship time because I knew that it could, it could get unhinged in here. Um, but we're excited for that trip. And I know that every one of you that had the opportunity to go, that it was worth every single penny, the opportunities that you had for relationships. So great job to Stacy and the team. Great, awesome. Uh, we've been teasing you ladies about the men's trip is half the price and twice the fun, but I tell you what, you just raised the bar on us. We're, we're going to have to actually really make sure something spiritual happens on our men's retreat so, so that men can be transformed as well. Well, it's great to see you. Welcome to Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. I hope you wore your jersey. Yeah, I know you're wondering, where's my Patriots jersey? It's not like, you know, I'm not a bat and wagon guy. I was born 15 miles away from Foxborough, and I'm pure Patriots all the way, but I wore this today in honor of my friend Tim Singleton, who's with the Lord right now. But uh, whatever team you're rooting for, how many people here are rooting for the Rams? Oh, my. Okay, uh, okay, you can make a noise. Okay, you can make a noise. This is football talk we're talking about. How many for the Rams again? Oh my, still no noise. Okay, how many for the Cincinnati Bengals? Oh my goodness. Oh, I know. I'm going to walk softly in this place today. All right, all right. Hey, Patriots got out of the way. It's all yours. It's all yours. There you go. It's going to be a great day. I love it. You know, when your team's not in the Super Bowl, you get to relax, actually eat the chili, actually enjoy the game. It's a new experience for me. You know, it really is. Uh, so uh, maybe I'll talk to some of the Vikings fans and they can tell me how to do it. Or Yeah, so it, it, it's great. Oh, man. Well, welcome to Transform the Fourth Week. And our theme verse has been for the last five weeks where do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That when God get into the root thoughts of who you are and how you think inside of your head, real transformation can happen. And that God can begin to do some things in your life that are, that are so different. And I, I love what God's been doing in my life. We've been talking about your spiritual health. We've been talking about your physical health because that is important to God. And as some of you know, I've all of a sudden gotten all jacked up on yoga. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big yoga fan. I used to thought it was kind of wimpy, wimpy. You know, if you're not bench pressing 300 pounds, you're not really in the gym. Well, forget all that. I've been healed of all that machoism. And now I'm Mr. Yoga. So every, twice a day I do yoga and God just kind of, is, it's healing my back. It's bringing 
restoration to me. So what God is showing us is that if we will apply his truth, his word in every area of our lives, we think it's just a Sunday morning thing. We think it's just going to heaven thing. God's really concerned not only about our spiritual life, our physical life, our mental life, as we learned this week, but today as we're going into our emotional life. You know, I love my job because I have to become a semi-expert in six days. Every time I leave one sermon, I gotta go in and I gotta study and I gotta find out about this or that and I've gotta grab as much information on a subject. And so when I was looking at emotional health, I began to realize there, there's, a, there's a lot there that goes with the emotions. Uh, so I went into the world of psychology and looked up some of the experts on it and uh, there's a couple different schools of thought about emotions. We all have them, everybody agrees on that. But there's a little bit of difference of opinion. Um, like how many emotions do we have? Or are emotions just an extension of our thoughts? Or here's the other one, I hadn't even given this a thought. Are feelings and emotions the same thing? So as I looked through all the different schools of thought on this, everyone seemed to agree on some key points that emotions are an extension of our thoughts and our experiences. They're kind of of this interesting part about us. Uh, Emotions engage the mind and the body, which makes them a little bit different than thoughts because they do seem to have a physiological effect on us. Feelings, even though we use emotion and feelings interchangeably, provide some sort of uh, physiological and biological feedback from our emotions. And then also everyone agreed that emotions are a powerful mechanism that have the ability to graciously compel us forward, or they also have the ability to cripple us and just bring our lives to a halt. So from this, as I was looking at it and trying to understand it in my my brain about how emotions work and how can they be my thoughts but an extension of my thoughts, You know me, I look for an analogy constantly. I'm a visual learner and I'm trying to understand everything and so I need a a word picture. So immediately it took me to the the place of our our pets, especially our dogs because we love our dogs. Dogs are awesome, they're absolutely amazing and if you have a dog, you know the experience that you can have trying to leash your dog. Oh yeah, yeah, trying to get that dog to walk with you. And, and some of the dog leash experiences can become quite comical. But they we're going to find that leashing a dog very much mirrors handling our emotions. Let's watch.
That is exactly what it is like with our emotions. Learning to leash walk takes training. Most of us pay somebody to do this job for us. The dog always wants to go faster than you want to go, and you're, you're trying to walk, or, or maybe the, the dog doesn't go in the direction that you're going. Then there's the notorious attack by a squirrel. Squirrels just do it. They know when a dog's leashed, so they just get out there and they prance in your front yard and they'll all of a sudden run around in front of the dog and the dog is just like losing their mind. Then there's that experience when the dog is getting agitated or enamored because somebody else is walking towards you with their dog and you have that whole experience together. Then the dog gets excited and reacts when there's an approach of a complete stranger and your dog acts totally crazy and you have to assure the person that's coming towards you, he really is a nice dog, she really is a nice dog, just let her lick you, she's not going to rip your arm off type of experience. And then there's that experience when the dog just goes. You know, the leash gets pulled out of your hand and off goes the dog. So emotions are just like that. And, and, and just to kind of give you a visual, it really is like everyone here today is walking around with these emotions. Everybody that you're going to bump into on your way out today as you're going to the store, everybody has these emotions that are out. I got this, the dog got left some hair there. They're just kind of out front and, and, and we run into people and we wonder why they're acting the way that they're acting. Uh, they, they, your emotions will go faster than you. Or, or maybe your emotions don't really go where you thought they were going to go. Maybe you wanted that experience or that encounter with that person to work out and you had all the plans for it to be a good encounter and then all of a sudden the dog or the emotions go crazy. Maybe it's you get fixated, fixated on something that's not really important. Or, or maybe you get riled up by the interaction that you've had with another person as you've been out throughout your day. Or maybe you get overwhelmed in a strange and new experience that you've had. Something comes upon your life that you've never had before and you react in an unpredictable kind of way. Or maybe if you're like me, your emotions just get loose. I mean, they just go crazy. So what we've learned is that if we don't properly leash our emotions, the unleashed emotion can do personal and relational harm to other people. The Bible says in Romans 8, 6, it says this, to be controlled by your human nature results in death. You'll end up biting somebody. To be controlled by the Spirit of God results in life and peace. And those who obey their human nature cannot please God. So just like dogs, emotions can be our best friends. They can be something that's very powerful and useful in our lives. But just like a dog that's been unleashed, the encounter that we have with other people or even within our own mind can go bad really fast. So here's how the experts say that our emotions work. And I think, I think it's good to see the mechanism of emotions. And this was really helpful to me because sometimes we, we, we just kind of get to the end of emotions and then try to figure out what happened in the middle of it. So let's go through an example of how the process of emotions happens for our lives. You start with the situation. That's the first part. 
For an emotion to happen, and I'm saying I'm eliminating moods. There was so much I could go in the realm of psychology just on the concept of moods that may be something that you wake up with, but we're going to be just talking about emotions in this particular situation. For an emotion to happen, there, there has to be something that's happening around you. It's the situation that you're in. So let's say you're on a crowded bus on a rainy day, and, and there's about 45 people. You're holding on, on top, and you're, uh, the bus is moving, and, and as you're going, so you're all on a bus together on your way to work. So that's the situation. Then there's your attention. Your attention is what you'll be paying attention to while you're riding the bus. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on in the bus. There's the winter wipers on the bus happening. There's um, the rustle of people turning pages of books that they may be reading. There's uh, shopping bags, backpacks. There's all kinds of different things that are going on in the bus. You're looking out the window. You see cars going by. There's a lot of information. You have this situation, and then you have this, this, um, this time where you're getting an overload of information. But then you'll notice something. Because that's something that grabs your attention. Maybe somebody uses your name or calls somebody that has the same name as you. And so all of a sudden, you went from this, this overload of data in your situation to now somebody said something or said the name. Or maybe somebody in one of the chairs is staring at you. Um, maybe you overhear a conversation about your favorite sports team, somebody just dogged out the Cowboys. And so all of a sudden, your ears perked up a little bit, you know? Or somebody's talking about the latest TV show that just came out, and they're, they're talking and having a conversation. I mean, I'm this way, way if you, Bo, uh, Boba Fett, I mean, Boba Fett is just like the most incredible TV show. If you have not seen it on Disney, if you don't know who Boba Fett is, I am so sorry for you, ma'am. I saw you turn and ask, <laughs> if you don't know, if you don't know that, you got to know the Mandalorian. If you don't know the Mandalorian, you got to know Star Wars. If you don't know Star Wars, welcome to Earth, okay? <laughs> so, but whenever I hear anybody mention Boba Fett, like, and it happened at the grocery store the other day, I'm immediately, all of a sudden my head turned and three aisles away, I'm like, do you like that show? See, all of a sudden I went from a situation to an attention. Something that's going on in this situation grabbed my attention. Then there's your appraisal. Once a relevant to you thing attracts your attention, and it could have been an insult, your interpretation of what this thing means to you begins. You begin to evaluate. What's that person mean? What are they doing? Are they looking at me? I mean, they got a problem with what I'm wearing. They got a problem with the color of my skin. They got a problem with my gender. I mean, what is, what's, what's going on here? All of a sudden, you went from this situation to you have this one thing that calls your attention, and now you move into this realm called the appraisal. And that's when you begin to consciously or subconsciously evaluate what's going on here. Is this a threat? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? And your emotions are doing all this. I mean, they're, they're just out there like, like the dog on the end of a leash. There's a lot of activity that's going on that you're not fully aware of. You're not really even sure why you're responding that particular way. The situation appraisals generate the type of emotion that you're going to experience. So you've appraised it. Now the next is your response. And based upon your thought process, 
that you have during this appraisal time, your, begin, your body and everything is beginning your response. And it happens really fast. I mean, all of a sudden, you hear something, you see something, something grabs your attention, you're appraising it whether or not, you know, was he talking to me? And then you're, you're going through this internal speculation. Does he want to fight me? Uh, are they going to try to take my, my purse? Are they, is this a threat or is this, was that a compliment? Were they being sarcastic? And your mind is racing really fast, speculating on, on the information and what it has appraised. While that's going on, there are physical changes. Your blood pressure goes up. There's a change in the, the, your pupils. I mean, you're all of a sudden moving to a state of readiness, whether to laugh or to cry or to fight, but your body's already responding to what you're hearing or you're witnessing. And then feelings will begin the process of sending feedback to your, your brain. Start sending back, okay, here's our emotions have figured this out or appraising this. We still don't know if it's true or not. We just know that this is how we've appraised the situation and now we're sending information back. And what I found that most psychologists agree that there's about six to eight root agreed upon emotions that we feel. There's sadness, happiness, fear, anger, surprise, disgust, anticipation, and trust. Now, I know you may be saying, well, I can think of a couple others. They kind of feel that they branch out from a combination of maybe some of those emotions, but that these are the root emotions that we tend to draw from. And the interesting thing, all this can happen in response to something that's totally imagined. They just happen to be looking at somebody over your shoulder. They really weren't looking at you when they made that snarky face. You totally imagined it in your mind. You already had this fight, this argument already worked out so that when you go to work and you've already determined in your mind, I'm gonna show my boss, and you go in there, you're already, your emotions are there. Can I talk to you? Can we have a conversation? And it's like, yeah, but could you could you pull your dog a little closer? Because right now, you're already coming in with, your dog is out front, and, you, and we're already at a point where we're losing control. But our responses can be pleasurable, they can be terrifying, they can be real, they can be all kinds of things. So this is why it's important for us to get a, and I hope you don't see this as derogatory, but we need to get a leash on our emotions. Um, and we need God's help to do so. I mean, we really do. We gotta have God help us on this. And too often, we let the dog loose. We have a word for that. It's called emotionalism. That's somebody who's always, who's got no lead on their dog. That they're always in the realm of emotion. Everything is emotional. Everything that they respond to, the amount of time that they respond to it, constantly emotional. They're always angry. They're always ready for a fight. They're always crying. They're always you know, complaining or, or, or being violated or at least perceive a violation even if one hasn't really occurred. We call that the dog is loose and we call that emotionalism. Then we have another group, and those are the ones that try to kill the dog. Well, that we're not, we don't like dogs. We don't own dogs. It's called stoicism. 
that we don't have any emotions or we try to pretend that we don't have any emotions. We try to go around the world acting like nothing bothers us and that we're better than emotions, that emotions for some reason are villainized or a sign of some sort of weakness about a person. So there are some practices, leashing practices, we can use to help um, with our emotions in, um, to bring them out in an edifying kind of way. We all want to enjoy our dog. We all want to be proud of our dog. We want people to come on up and be able to pet our dog without being threatened. We, we really want to go to the dog show or bring our dog down to the dog park without having to worry about whether or not he's going to eat a chihuahua while he's down there. We really want to be able to go down to uh, Francis Marion Square on the art show days and be able to walk. Our, we want to be able to go to Lowe's with our dog and walk around with our dog. I think we all dog owners want that. But we want the same thing for our emotions. We want to be able to argue with people without letting our emotions go over the top. We want to be in love with people without allowing our emotions to control us. We want to be able to interact and cry and, and rejoice and have all the human experiences that God wants us to have, but we just don't want them to control us. The Bible says in Psalm 26.2, David said, Lord, examine me, test my motives and my affections. The first thing that we need to do is identify our emotion. It's like, okay, we need to identify it. What am I feeling here? And we need to invite God to help us identify what's really going on. What am I feeling? Uh, Why am I feeling it? I I wish we could all be so logical that it's very clear. I wish we could all just say, well, I know exactly what's going on. I know, well, no, we're very logical about other people's emotions, aren't we? We know exactly what they're thinking, and we know exactly what they're doing with their emotions. We know exactly what's controlling them. But really, David just said, hey, Lord, you got to help me, because sometimes I react to people, and I don't know why I just let the dog out. I don't know why I responded the way that I responded. So we need to challenge the emotion. Um, what am I really feeling? See, that's, isn't that interesting? It's like, have you ever asked yourself, what am I really feeling? Now, it may have moved into the realm of the six or eight that we think, but what am I really feeling here? Have you ever been in a conversation where you're feeling a certain way, but you're, you're suspect about how you're taking this criticism or how this interaction's going out. And, and it's healthy to ask yourself, okay, wait a minute, what am I feeling right now? I feel threatened, but, but is that really what's going on here? Why am I feeling threatened? Um, what is the real reason I'm feeling this? That's a big one. If you could ever ask yourself a question in a moment when your emotions are about to launch, is to ask yourself, what is the real reason that I am feeling this? Why am I responding to this person and I just met them and why did they make me so angry? Is it because they look like this person over here? Is it because of, well, their skin color and I had this encounter here or their gender and I had that encounter there? I mean, it, it's, it's crazy the things that can impact and direct our emotions. So to stop and ask yourself, what is the real, why do I feel rejected? Why do I have the fear of missing out, FOMO? 
You know, why, why does it bother me when I discovered that I wasn't invited to the party? What's going on here? What are they saying? Then you gotta ask yourself, is it true? Is the experience true that I'm in? Is the situation, did they really mean that? Or did my boss do that? Or is, is this really what's happening? I have to ask myself that all the time. Because as a pastor, you would be shocked how much criticism I get. The emails I get, I mean, I wish it was more like a restaurant. Because restaurants are so cool, because the, the maitre d' or the, the, the manager will come to the table and say, how was your meal tonight, everybody? How was your meal tonight? You know, and do one of those. And what do we all do? Oh, it's just great. It's all great. But what are we doing when they walk away from the table? I can't stand these lima beans. I don't know what they put in it. It tastes like bacon, you know, which, by the way, bacon and lima beans, perfect, amazing. But, you know, we, we'll, we'll, but when it comes to, like, being a pastor, everybody will, I'll get an email later on about, you know, your church is so ungodly, you're doing the work of Satan, you're a, you're a heretic. Yeah, that's it, I get called a heretic all the time. And it's like, oh, okay, thank you very much. And, and so sometimes you get the feedback no matter what you do, and you're like, what do I do with this? Who do I go and bludgeon with a stick? I mean, what, who do I, I, I've had those thoughts, who do I go after? And you say, well, I can't believe you had that emotion. Come on, really? You can't believe it? Maybe you didn't choose a weapon like a stick. Maybe there was some other, some other witchcraft you work in to perform. Maybe a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of that. And a little, you know, maybe. But we all have to. So we've got to find out, is it true? Is this person really trying to harm me? Is this a good situation for me? I, you know, you meet somebody who's attractive to you. And we all meet people that are attractive. I don't care how long you've been married. I've been married 35 years. As a result of that 35 years, it doesn't mean all the other attractive people in the world just died, okay? They're still walking out there. But now when all of a sudden you encounter a person that you personally find attractive or something, there's some really cool vibe between you, you know, it's like, oh, really, you like that? Well, yeah, it's cool. You know, you meet at the gym and all that stuff. Well, there's a point where you've got to say, what, this doesn't go any further. You know, this dog needs to be jerked back on its chain. Then is, is this feeling helping me or is it hurting me? Is this really a good constructive, is this an edifying way to respond? Because we can get into some emotional responses that are just deadly. Oh, man, there are holes that just suck us in. Misery, just vindictiveness, anger, things that just suck us in. Second thing we need to do after identifying is tame it. Tell it to heal with the word of God in your life. God's word is so important. We're gonna talk about this a couple times, but God's word is so important when it comes to our emotional control and our emotional competency. Because that's really what it's called, emotional competency. Some people wanna call it emotional intelligence, but I don't know. Um, I think it's more like emotional competency. It's like we all have this realm of emotion and how we handle it is really determined by how competent we are with these feelings that we experience. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I've hidden God's word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. It's so that I you know, need the word of God to corral or to leash my thought life, my response life, my emotions, and that I use the word of God for that purpose. I need to capture it, like that lady trying to catch her dog. 
You know, I, I just thought that was incredible. I mean, that she ties the dog up to that flag thing and then it drags it around the road. I mean, absolutely amazing. Coke, I'm surprised it's not been on a Coke commercial yet. Absolutely amazing. But there are some times when our emotions get away and me and Susan have had arguments and, and I can tell you this one because it happened so long ago so I can pretend I'm not still that person. Um, so I had this, um, we, for some reason we had an argument. It was like our last really bad argument. Um, and uh, I, I, I got so angry. I might have dropped a, a bad couple words in sequence. It was beautiful. It was a Bostonian moment, you know. I just, I used all the words in a handbag. And then I, I'm like, I'm getting the blank out of here. I, I'm like, you know. So I got in my car and uh, drove to Mount Pleasant, you know, like that was going to do anything, you know. So, so I so go over the Cooper River. I'm at the bottom of the Cooper River Bridge. We're living in West Ashley across from um, our friends and. Uh, um, I'm glad they didn't know this was going on, but well, I, I got down at the other end of the bridge and I thought to myself, okay, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing next? You gonna go to a strip bar? I mean, are you gonna go to a bar and get hammered? Uh, I mean, I'm really looking at my options. I mean, it's like, cause I'm out there and I'm like, what are you gonna do? You gonna go flirt with somebody? What, what are you going to do? And every one of those emotional responses got shut down by the word of God like you're not flirting with anybody you're not going to a strip bar and if you drink you're going to get sick you know you you can't do that so I uh I call Susan up on the other side of the Cooper Bridge I'm like hey honey yeah yeah this is your favorite idiot and um uh what are the chances of us uh ordering a pizza and because I'm figuring I need carbs I don't need a stripper. I need carbs, okay? And so I said, hey, I'm sorry. I lost my brain. Uh, and so I, I drive back, and we, the pizza arrived by the time I got there. So, but I had, to, I had to go capture it. The Bible actually says something like this in 2 Corinthians 10. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know, it's like, yes, you need to capture your dog. You need to go after that and, and, and click lit, and, you know, bring it back and drag it back to the house. And it's kind of like, we're not doing this. But if you don't have the word of God, you don't know what, to, what thoughts to go after. You don't know which ones are good because some of them may feel good and ruin your life then we need to redirect it. I love what Paul said in Ephesians 4, 26, because we don't think it's Bible, but this is Bible. Be angry and sin not. Redirect it. It's like, well, Christians aren't supposed to get angry. That's a bunch of bull. I don't know who told you that Christians aren't supposed to get angry, but what Paul's telling us here is, it's like, hey, it's okay to get angry. There's some things worth getting angry about, but don't sin. Don't let your dog off the leash. In James, he says this, that the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. It's like, so keep, you know, it's okay to be angry. What happened was wrong. What was done to you was wrong. What was said to you, just, okay, but just pull it in. Redirect it. Let's get it back. I love how Jesus directed his emotions. 
And I think maybe we blow it with Jesus because he's like the son of God and all. And <laughs> it sounded weird even to say it like that. But he's the so we think he's above humanity. Now, in a way, he is above humanity, but in very much a way, he's ensconced in humanity. He came like us. Listen to what the scripture says about Jesus coming to, to earth in Hebrews 2. For this reason, Jesus had to be made like them or like us, his, his people, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of his people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. It's like, oh, I didn't realize that Jesus had to control his anger. I didn't realize that Jesus had a thought life, a human thought life. You know, um, like uh, I've always labeled emotions as being very human, you know, sinful, that we have emotions. Or, I'll, I'll just admit it, I always thought that emotions were unmanly. That, you know, I come from a World War II family where, you know, Pop didn't show much emotions. He just fought the Nazis. You know, he did his duty. You know, kind of the Bill Belichick on the sideline. No smiles, nothing, just do your job. And so I was raised with this thing that emotions are, are unmanly. But then all of a sudden we see Jesus weeping at the tomb of Lazarus. Um, we see Jesus weeping over Jerusalem when he comes to Jerusalem and they reject him and all the love that he wants to give them, they don't want any of it. How about when he's before Pilate? He's been arrested and um, Jesus is, is, is you know, arrested, he's been beaten, he's been flogged, all this. And then Pilate starts running some a gauntlet of questions and challenging him who he is. Who do you think you are? Don't you know that I have the power to, to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus really doesn't say much, except for at that point. He says, you know, you only have that power because it's been given to you from heaven above. He said, at any point I could call 144,000 angels and deliver me at any second, just like that. And it's like, dude, you're so calm. They're going to kill you. Because he brought his emotions under control of, of, of things like this. He knew who he was. And most of our emotional bad outbreaks is because we really don't know who we are. He knows who Pilate is. He knows what's motivating Pilate. He's confident in his mission and what God's called him to do. He's responding accordingly to that mission. It's amazing how all of a sudden the dog, the leash can be tightened and controlled when you know who you are, when you know who God's called you to be, when you know what your mission is. The more you know Christ, the more you know how life works, the more you know God's purpose for your life, the more you are able to respond accordingly. Do you think for a second that I think all of you should go to this church? That this is the best church for you? I don't know. There's a lot of amazing churches in this city. Try them out. I mean, you know, find, pray about it and ask God to show you where's the best place for you to grow. I don't have that expectation. Do I think I am supposed to be the best pastor in Charleston? No, that's not my mission. That's not my calling. 
And the more I've learned to grow in that knowledge about how life works, how God's purposes work, how, who I am, it's not, I don't get as angry as I used to. The lights messed up last week. And, and they were, after the service, everybody was pretty apologetic. I was like, I'm sorry, I messed up the lights. And you know, it really broke my heart. Because I remember that it was all about the lights for me. It was all about timing. It was all about the music. It was all about the projectors. It was all about all that other stuff. And I, I told everybody, I said, I'm not that dude anymore. I don't give a flip about the lights. As long as I can communicate the word of God to people, that would, that's, that's really all I need to be able to do. But you know what? If you were here 10 years ago, you better have everything on time, everything's running, everything, that song ends right now, okay, video up, lights down, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know what? I'm not here to control that. My job is to know who God created me to be, what my mission is, and to go about living it the way that God wants me to. You'd be surprised, your dog will come off the leash less when you find out who you are in Christ. So emotions are a sensitive subject. Oh, golly. Come on. You can tell how old a man is by the jokes he cracks, okay? It's like a tree. You count the rings. The older a man gets, the, the, the cornier the jokes get. But really, emotions are a sensitive subject. We get angry when people talk about our emotions because, in a way, they do express us. They, they, they're expressing our thoughts. Um, in a way... They can control us. You know, we respond to them. In a way, our emotions kind of seem like they are us. And because they are so us, we're in the middle of our own emotions. And we need outside help inside when it comes to our emotions. That's why the scriptures say in Zechariah 4, 6, the Lord says to us, you will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You're going to need to help on this because it's kind of like bone and marrow or soul and spirit. It's kind of hard to find out where the line is. Emotions and thought, you and your thoughts, you and your emotions, they're, they're kind of all, on planet Earth, they're all kind of like a Caesar salad all tossed together. And, and, and so when you talk about my emotions, you're talking about me. When you're telling me to control my emotions, you're saying there's something wrong with me, you know? And so our emotions are a very sensitive subject to us. So we're in the middle of this mosh pit. So we need somebody to step inside of us and to help us with it. And that's where we get a strong leash. We need God's spirit. Every day, let me encourage you to ask God to fill you with his spirit. Galatians 5.22 says this, the fruit of the Spirit, not your fruit, not your, not your new thoughts, not your controlled, centered self because you've meditated and, and, and you've gone to classes about all this, and, and those are all good and all, but, but the fruit of the Spirit, meaning this is what God can give you that can connect into your life and help you with your emotions. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I am so glad it doesn't say, if you're a Christian, you have to develop and perfect all these. It's like, no, when you're in Christ, the fruit of the Spirit, 
what he brings into your life, what he lends to you, is a strong leash, something to help you with your dog. Against such, there is no dog or law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's like, wow, the power of the Spirit in our lives with our emotions. The Spirit helps us, it helps us by interjecting God's responses to us. I love it in Romans 8, 26. It says this way. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. Anybody here have a weakness in your realm of emotions? Okay, we think whenever the Spirit of God is mentioned, it only helps us in our spirit. That he's not interested in anything else. No, he says that the same way that the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. I have a weakness in anger. I have a weakness in, in insecurity. I have a weakness in, in the realm of interaction or intimacy with people. I mean, I have a real issue with that. And so I need the Holy Spirit to help me in this realm. And he intercedes with us. Then there's also Christ's example. When in doubt, I, I look to how Christ responded in a situation. How did he respond to Pilate? How did he respond in the temple when he turned everything over? And we think he lost his temper. He didn't lose his temper. He was expressing a greater idea. How do you, how do you, do, how do you be angry and sin not? How do you... How, how do you you know, do all this. How do I respond in a situation? I just look at the example of Christ. How did Jesus respond when people made fun of him, when people called him names, when people um, threatened him, when people called him a devil? Um, Philippians 2.5 says, your attitude should be the same as that as Christ Jesus. So one of my leashes is not only the spirit of God in my life, but I look at the example of Christ. Then the third last one is this is God's word. Truth helps you discern the right response to your emotions. See, this is why we can't live in a world that says, follow your truth. Because my truth may be, you do need me to hit you over a head with a stick, okay? We need some objective standard. We need somebody to kind of tell us, how am I supposed to respond in this situation? And I have found that God's truth gives us a reliable, objective response in every situation. So you can't please God if you're running around allowing your emotions to dominate you. If every time somebody comes into your zone in your area, you start barking. Oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. There we go. Hey, that was amazing. Yes. And you know what? That dog did not move at all because that dog has been leash trained. That dog knows exactly where he's supposed to be. But he also knows how to respond to another, somebody pretending they're a dog. Man, can I get you to come back for the second service? That was perfect. So as we're moving into this moment of expressions where we have communion, a time of prayer, maybe you pin an emotion to the cross that you need God to help you in that area. Let me just say, just because you have a temper, just because you have passion, just because you have fear, anxiety, 
Don't let anybody villainize you because you have emotions. God created us with emotions. He created us so that they would become reliable mechanisms for feedback and how we respond in situations. But you need to determine who you are. You need to find out who you are in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. God's doing a new thing in my life. And if you stumble over an old thing, I'll apologize. I have a new culture in who I am. So things don't get me as angry. Is it because you're getting older? No. I know a lot of nasty 60-year-old men. A lot of ugly, angry 70-year-old people. So it's not something that just changes because you get older, you mellow out. No. It's something that with the Spirit of God, with the Word of God, with the example of Christ, can really be we can become safe. That's what we all want to be, is truthful, loving, compassionate, just, and do all of it while being safe. Invite God in. And I cannot stress enough, it is time for us in our world, in our culture, where we have come off the leash. We need to take God's word serious. Because if we will think the objective truth of God that is the right truth for all ages, for all people, you'd be surprised how much you'll enjoy walking around with your emotions and encountering people, encountering strange situations, people who are different than you. Man, wouldn't that be great? that we wouldn't be afraid, we wouldn't cross the other side of the street, we wouldn't just assume harm is coming to us, that we could actually walk into a situation and bring peace into the room. But if your emotions are already out of control when you walk into the room, you just brought a dog ready to bite, your husband, your wife, your coworkers, your neighbor, and any stranger. Father, as we enter into this moment together, we take the first step of realizing that we need outside, inside help. We need your fruit in our life. We need your love. We need your self-control. We need your compassion. Lord God, we're in the middle of this mosh pit. And Lord God, we just ask that you would bring something of heaven into every one of our lives so that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. That our emotions will no longer control us or run away from us. But rather, they will express your love, your truth, your justice, your compassion. Oh God, some of us have bit so many people in our days we ask you to forgive us we thank you for this moment oh God because you know we need your strength and you freely offer it today you give us hope hope that we can be changed into the image of Christ Lord God that we don't have to be controlled by our emotions but rather our emotions can serve us serve your kingdom 
as we take the bread, as we drink of the cup, we remember your power under control, your mercy expressed, your justice defined, all of it in the middle of a hostile world. We thank you, God. Fill us with your spirit today.